Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's show, Measuring the Trinity, Chapter 1. Here we go. can always get a sense of the use of measurement of managerial change and skill development when we ask uh, our um, lucky effective manager conference attendees just a couple of qualifying questions about their use of the Trinity's tools, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, there are always managers out there who've been doing one-on-ones literally for years, and there's managers that are, you know, and they're often, yeah, sometimes they're hostages. They're completely clueless about our recommendations. Right. Yeah. When we ask, Who's doing one-on-ones weekly? Man, we get a bunch of different answers, don't we? Yeah. It always kind of surprises me. I, I shouldn't be surprised. When we ask if people are doing them, we get a lot of hands sometimes. Although some conferences, we don't, you know, just randomly, we don't get a lot because people are learning for the first time. But when we ask the people who said they were doing them, if they were doing with everyone, in other words, we qualify their answer and say, okay, are you doing it with everybody? And are you doing it 80% of the time? They get a questioning look on their face. They think, oh, I don't. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. And what you and I realized, we talked about it, is the befuddlement on their faces isn't really a function of, well, I'm not sure they're working real well, or I don't really like them, or, or I don't even know if I want to continue them. That, that's not it at all. The issue is they don't know how often they're doing them, well, what percentage they're doing them or anything, because they haven't thought to measure them. If you had measured them and if you've been tracking them, it's not hard. We'll tell you how to do it, at least a starter thing today. And somebody said, hey, are you doing it 80% of the time? You would know, oh, no, I'm not there yet. Or shoot, I did that the first week. You would know if you measured. But if you don't measure, then probably the, the experience you have is I've just started. I'm doing some. Now, look, doing is better than not doing. That's the hard thing in change is just to get started rather than planning and planning and planning and planning. But it's taught us that we need to be more clear about how to measure one's progress, one's efforts when it comes to rolling out the Trinity. And it boils down to if it's if it's worth doing right, then it's worth measuring. So um, four recommendations uh, regarding measuring your own success, rolling out the Trinity tools. The first rule is, is a simple one. The first, our first guidance is basically rule number one when it comes to measuring is measure quantity first and not quality. This is a huge mistake that people make delaying the start of things or delaying the starting of measuring things, um, trying to make a measurement perfect or conflating both quantity and quality, which uh, in the beginning of things is probably not a good way to be. There are exceptions, but generally speaking, when it comes to managerial stuff, it's better to just start measuring quantity. Number two, it's easy. You just simply count your one-on-ones that are scheduled, that are completed, and that are weekly. Number three, we recommend um, your, the first goal you set for yourself is 80% scheduled, completed, and weekly each week. So if you have 10 people, your goal is to get eight of them done a given week. Not saying only schedule eight of them. We'd love for you to schedule all 10 of them. But uh, you're going to have changes and you're not going to be in the groove yet. And so you're going to drop the ball a few times. That's normal. It's reasonable. It's okay. Um, 
And then lastly, what we hope is after you achieve a week where you get 80% and you pat yourself on the back and it's great, something you weren't doing before that's going to make you a better manager, then the goal is, okay, string together a whole series of four or five weeks like that and get and get to 80% monthly. And obviously our goal is 100% every single week, but this is a good way to start. So let's talk about this, uh, your new measurement rule number one, measure quantity first, not quality. Now, you've been listening for a while, folks know that I'm a high C. So aren't I giving up a lot of precision when I do that? Yeah, sure. Yeah, you are. The first one-on-one you do, you have you say to yourself, I not only have to do it, but I have to meet a series of seven or eight or nine standards, which by the way, we'll roll out later. If we told everybody, okay, here are the 10 standards you have to meet in one-on-ones. The first thing people would get is, wow, I'm, I'm pretty low on the on the criteria, and you would have spent a lot of time preparing to measure. And too many people make too many measurements, too many efforts at measuring things too complicated all the time. I, I've done it myself. Oh, gee, how are we going to measure this? Oh, we can't start until we're going to measure it. And and by the way, folks, that's what a lot of executives do. They say to themselves, look, let's not start this unless we can measure it. Now, that is a great thought. We want to measure things. The issue is what they then follow up. It, it, the great start is, you know, th- as the high eye, as we say about high eyes, no sense in putting your best foot forward if you then just drag the other one behind it. If you have a great idea of let's make sure we measure this. If it's worth doing, it's worth measuring. Great thought. If then you follow up with, okay, we probably need 12 or 13 measures. We're going to have to do it with this and we're going to have to have a tool. So let's delay until the tool's built. You're wasting two, three, four, six, eight, 10, 12 months just to get the measurement right, when in fact, all you're doing when you're starting something is increasing the number of things you won't do well. It'll actually be a bunch of negative feedback really, really early. Hmm. I wonder if I've ever done that before. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And and you know what? You and I, because we're different, I probably push you to say, let's go. Let's let, you know, there are times when I say, heck with measurement. And that immediately causes you to say, "Hmm, how smart is he again? And then there are other times when you say, look, we need more measures than just this, or, hey, we're past the initial startup phase. Let's, let's put some tighter measurements on it. We do that with costs, right? Drucker's famous quote, you don't control costs, you cut them, right? We started measuring those a few years ago and that's helped our margins, right? Look, what it boils down to is measuring, we can make it complicated, but in fact, the fundamental underpinnings of, of measurement, the theory, the science of measurement is measuring is simply a way to observe something to reduce uncertainty. This is a hard thing for a lot of people. People believe that measurement is about fixing things. It's about finding precision. It is about accuracy. And that's not true. Great measurements or measurements that are necessarily measuring something with very fine tolerances may in fact attempt to approach perfection or accuracy or precision. But the fact is the vast majority of things we measure don't need to be precise. All we need to do is reduce the uncertainty around our understanding of something and as a measurement to have a quantity associated with that reduction of uncertainty. And when we do that, it helps us determine whether we're on the right track or not. And early on, You just want to be headed in the same general direction. If there are 30 roads, some north, some south, some east, some west, going different directions, and the the direction you're supposed to go is northeast, and you're on a road going south, well, that's wrong. 
On the other hand, if you're going east, you could probably tolerate that for a little bit as long as you make a change and, and start going northeast or more northerly. But if you don't measure at all, then you're not going to get there. On the other hand, if you wait three months before you start going in a north-northeast fashion, you would have figured out that you were going in that direction a lot sooner had you just started measuring in a, in a gross or almost clumsy way, which I'm sure for the high seas is who are listening going, I just can't believe we're going to do this. And so when we apply this kind of thinking to one-on-ones, and folks, frankly, many other managerial and professional behaviors, too many of us believe mistakenly that we can't measure things that are not purely quantifiable. And they say, well, you know, gosh, I can't, I can't do it. But you can. And when it's helpful in learning about our own behaviors to compare them against some standard, it's a good idea to do so. We should do it. Or we recommend, manager tools recommends you measure things, even if the measurement is rough or essentially a proxy. We've talked about proxies before on the show. And look, folks, we do this in all kinds of things. My favorite one is three out of five stars for a movie. I, I mean, look, everybody goes to a movie. Everybody has a different experience. If you have a thousand people see it, though, and the mean of the number of stars is 4.2, and another movie a thousand people go to and the mean of the stars is 2.1, you could say, hey, look, probably the 4.2 movie is better. More, There's a greater chance that more people are going to like it. If I've never seen either of the movies, I have total uncertainty if I know nothing about them. I have total uncertainty about which movie to go see, unless one of them has Indiana Jones in it or golf or Star Wars, but not Star Trek. Um, <laughs> I have less uncertainty. Now, I may not have certainty, but that's not the point of measuring. The point of measuring is to reduce uncertainty. And yes, sometimes the measurement is so precise, you get what amounts to certainty, at least insofar as the human condition can allow us to do that. And as we share more measurements in the future, we'll tighten that up and we'll, people will feel like we're approaching certainty. As I mentioned, we're particularly fond of proxies, things that uh, things we measure that we believe serve as substitutes for other things. Proxies are a great way to reduce uncertainty um, when you're uncertain about what to measure. Um, and yes, you can have an uncertain measuring uh, technique that can still reduce uncertainty. You know, one of my favorite casts is the one with the story about John and the Gate Guards in it, where we literally used smiling as a proxy for niceness. We said, because John was getting complaints about his gate guards not being nice, we said, look, measure whether or not they smile. And he said, well, is, is, I mean, how is that niceness? I said, look, when, you, when you're nice to people, do you smile? Yeah. If you're not nice to them, is it possible that people see a gate guard who doesn't smile at them and therefore they say that guy's not nice? Yeah. Okay. Well, smiling and ni- niceness are not identically the same thing. But generally speaking, people who smile more tend to be thought of as more nice all things being equal, particularly over large sample sizes. Um, so even though there are people who smile and are not nice, and there are people who do not smile and who are nice, it's not misleading, and it definitely reduces uncertainty to measure niceness by measuring smiling. When you're measuring your success in, in doing one-on-ones, what we've learned is it's best in the beginning to avoid all efforts at tracking quality early on and as you adopt the, the tool. 
really two reasons for this. We've seen a lot of managers agonize for weeks about how to measure the quality of their one-on-ones. And because they've never done one, they don't know. They'd say, well, maybe maybe the measure of one-on-ones is how, how many times they laugh. Well, that hypothetically could be a good one. But if you don't know what the experience is going to be like, how are you going to be able to guess, knowing having no guidance, how to measure them? Okay, And if you agonize for weeks about how to measure the quality and you think, I can't start until I have some quality measurement, which, which by the way, is not an inherently bad thing all the time. Um, but if you take weeks to figure out that you don't really know what your good quality standard is, and then you're not starting them for weeks and weeks and week, weeks because you can't fully measure them, then that's a waste of time. You're losing time in the real reason you're doing them, which is to improve your relationship with your ex, to get better results and to improve retention. So, you know, let's be realistic. We hate to be realistic sometimes. You know, we'd be great if we could snap our fingers and come up with a perfect quality and quantity measure. But let's not try to do something for which we have ample evidence this thing is a bad idea, trying to measure quality in one-on-ones early on. Even if you think it should be so, we've seen too many managers try it and fail. And then what's worse is they get frustrated because they have now two, three, four measures and they get to the quantity thing, which is really the important thing. They're learning early on in the process. They're going up the steep learning curve, but their quality measures are all terrible and they feel like, well, maybe I shouldn't continue. Isn't it true in this case, like a lot of professional endeavors that like the way you get to higher quality is greater quantity. Sure. That's what, I mean, look, think about the prototypes. Think about things that come off a production line the first time. They're broken. They don't work. Certainly production lines are different than they were 50 years ago and things work more quickly and there's less tolerance for, oh, let's spend a couple of days making bad stuff and figuring it out. But the fact is nobody expects a production line, the, the, uh, um, a brand new production line and a brand new facility to turn out perfect product the first time or the first sample size to meet the quality standards of a long running production line with fully established supply chains and so on. They just don't, they don't do it. Or, or they say, well, Mark, you're, you're mistaken. Actually, our production line, when we flipped the switch, everything came out perfect. And I say, okay, let's define flipping the switch. Was the line off completely? And then suddenly you turned it on and the first thing that was done by the line was perfect? Oh, no, 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 no. No, no we prototyped it. We worked it out. We we scoped it out. We figured out what the issues were. You know, we, we uh, did some Sigma tests on it. And so I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that's why it's so expensive to build things like a space shuttle, for example. You don't build many of them. You don't have a lot of, of exactly. chances to get better, right? You built, I don't know, what they built a dozen of them maybe? I don't know. But yeah. when you do it a lot, you have plenty of opportunity to observe and you're going to eventually you're going to get better quality out of it. So starting yeah. with quantity is not a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. So look, when it generally speaking, when it comes to human interaction and the vast majority of things that managers do and particularly day to day decisions and so on, quality improves as a direct function of quantity because we are learning machines. Okay. We get better at things the more we do of them. Yes, there are certainly upper and lower limits, folks. But we're using this as a rough rule of thumb because every one of you is different and every one of your directs is different, which is a which is a fabulous, wonderful thing about the glory of creation and how how we all have our own skills and talents. And it makes managing brutally hard sometimes. As humans, we learn very fast. 
And we want to do things more. The more you do things, the more it becomes second nature. We go from unconscious incompetence to unconscious competence, which is a very good thing. It's one of the great things about being alive, being human, having freedom of choice. And look, there are some managers who want the perfect measurement and they want to be able to be perfect doing so the first time they do something. And unfortunately, that's just perfectionism run amok. It's significantly detrimental to productivity improvements in almost all things managerial. So we we want to avoid delaying the start of one-on-ones simply because we don't know how to measure the quality of them. We need to learn how to do them first in order to determine When I look back on the last couple of months, what was I doing that was an indication that quality was high? Were the bad ones? What happened in the bad ones? You don't know that before you start. So we recommend you pay little attention to measuring the quality of your one-on-ones when you first start. Early quality, folks, is a poor indicator of future success in one-on-ones because there are friendly, outgoing managers managing friendly, outgoing directs who, when they sit down, they have a great conversation and they say, wow, that was high quality. Only then three months later, or let's say six months or nine months later, that manager is not willing to give feedback because, well, that we're friendly. I wouldn't want to hurt their feelings. Well, if you're not going to give feedback in a one-on-one, not that one-on-ones are the only place to give feedback or that we hold on to our feedback for one-on-ones, then that's a bad sign long-term. That manager might think, I started well, but what's really important about starting is doing them and then learning about it and then being willing to trust the relationship later to give feedback and to coach and develop and and to tell people hey if in fact they deserve it you're not doing as well as you need to do so when you're first starting worry only about completing as many of your one-on-ones as you can shoot for a lot of one-on-ones rather than a few of them that are perfect that's our guidance good okay now we're going to talk about quantity so Maybe I'll go faster this time. <laughs> Gosh, that took a lot longer than I wanted it to, folks. Just count how long it takes Mark to make a point. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's probably quality, not quantity. But if, he, if it comes to the number of words, you got the quantity thing nailed. Yeah, I'm good. really good with the num- number. You know, it occurs good to me that you. there are probably people out there thinking, oh, please, don't give me another tangent. One less tangent. Yeah, exactly. I know. They're really I'll, 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 I'll be thinking about that. I'll try to improve the number. Reduce the number. I think I think when it comes to me, reducing is the same thing as improving the number of tangents. <laughs> that's the master level. Yeah. Okay. So, so what are we going to count? So that's the, the, that's the question now, right? We're we're gonna we're gonna do qual- quantity, not quality. So what are we gonna? What quantity are we looking at? Often when I when I'm asked to assess an organization around managerial changes, you know, a, a company says we'd really like to measure engagement, and it's oh. funny. It's like, okay, all right. Well, maybe you should get somebody else is the first thing I say. But if we can figure out a way for me to help them, the thing I say is, what does engagement look like? What does somebody do? Well, that's hard to say. Well, look, when you figure out what you mean by engagement, then we can figure out how to measure it. And there are too many things in the world that get started and our goal is to do X and then there's no measure around X. And if there's not going to be a measure, folks, it's unlikely to be highly successful. So we recommend you count one-on-ones that were scheduled, that you actually did, and that you did them in the same week that you scheduled them. Now, to some of you, that seems like an overly precise definition. And, and uh, you might think, well, gee, I thought, that's, I thought we were shooting for a pretty low standard of, of simply reducing uncertainty. And, and you're right, in a sense, 
But the reason there's precision there is not about management or measurement so much as it is about what we know are the drivers of successful one-on-ones. We're not trying to be exact around the math of the measuring. We're trying to be exact about what a one-on-one is. If you told me, Mark, help me measure engagement, and I measured the number of people who eat lunch in the company cafeteria, you'd probably look askance at me, right? On the other hand, we know what one-on-ones are. They're not chit-chat at any interval you would like. They're not just, uh, hey, come by my office and let's chat. They're not, hey, I'm driving home. I thought I'd call and see how your day was. They're a specific thing. You know, we once said at a conference that if your one-on-ones aren't scheduled, then they aren't manager tools one-on-ones. That was probably a little harsh. Manager tools, one-on-ones, our recommendation regarding one-on-ones are always scheduled. This is one of our big lessons early on when we started teaching managers about this. The manager who says, hey, I want to talk to you. You probably want to talk to me, but you're busy. I'm certainly busy. Let's just play this weekly talking thing that we're going to do by ear. You're not doing one-on-ones. If somebody who works for you has an attendance criteria in their job and they show up Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, and they don't show up on Thursday, but on Wednesday, they work, say, a 16-hour day, and then just don't show up on Thursday, whereas your company measures attendance as every day you got to be here, they might could say, well, I just dismiss your measurement standard. And I know there are some jobs where that's fine, but if your company says you got to be here every day, you got to punch in. A person who says, well, I put, put in two days worth of work on Wednesday, The company will say, no, that's really not what we mean by attendance. You have to be here every day. So one-on-ones, again, are specific things. And, of course, the great thing about that is it makes measuring more broadly beyond just quantity much easier. One-on-ones are scheduled weekly 30-minute meetings with each direct. Because that's what we know, we get to define it, of course, We can measure the characteristics that are quantifiable, and all of them are. So our recommendation here is you keep track of how many of your one-on-ones that were scheduled on a weekly basis, okay, and with all directs of those, how many actually happened. So if you have a a one-on-one that wasn't scheduled, but you actually spend 30 minutes with somebody, you don't count that as a one-on-one, okay? If you schedule a one-on-one, but you don't have it, you don't count it either. It doesn't matter whether the one-on-one happens at the scheduled time, though. Listen to this now, folks. It doesn't matter whether the one-on-one happens at the scheduled time. Being scheduled, in other words, being on your calendar in advance and happening are two separate things, and they're what matters. Right. So they don't have to match the the time that you schedule and the occurrence in that week. It has to happen in that week, but the exact time doesn't matter. Yeah, we well, probably 90% of our conferences are on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And Mike, didn't we just decide that in uh, 2012 that almost all or all of our conferences are going to be two days, EMC and ECC together? Is that All of them, yes. All of them, yeah. Uh, so usually they're Tuesday and Wednesday. And as it happens, my one-on-ones with, with Wendy are scheduled on Tuesdays. So as Wendy often says when she comes to a conference with us that, Less than 25% of the time, our one-on-ones happen on Tuesday. They happen. They just don't happen on Tuesday at 2 o'clock. 
So it's got to be scheduled, but it doesn't have to happen at the scheduled time. And people say, well, gee, that doesn't sound like I'm managing my calendar. Nah, actually, calendar management is about making sure your priorities are on there and be willing to move them around, but not kick them off. The idea that calendar management is once your calendar's in place, you never change it is just bizarre. That's like saying, if I spill coffee all over my shirt before I leave the house, I'm still going to wear that dirty shirt to an interview. No, of course, you'd make a change, right? So things happen. Your boss calls and steps on your, your one-on-one, even though you got first right of refusal. And, um, and so you move your one-on-one. But having it moved is not a problem. I like the comparison you made between your boss wanting a meeting with you and spilling coffee all over your shirt. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) It depends on your boss, I guess, right? Yeah. 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 Look, if you're only doing one-on-ones with half of your team and they're scheduled weekly, those that you conduct weekly would actually count. Now, for some of you who are longtime listeners, this tells you how serious we are about quantity over quality. There is absolutely real danger in scheduling one-on-ones with some, but not all of your team. But doing some one-on-ones in the pursuit of, at some point, everybody having one-on-ones with you is still a good thing. So if you schedule, if you have 10 people working for you and you schedule one-on-ones with five of them and you have all five, then, then you got five out of 10 if you scheduled and had them. We're trying to make measurement, the idea of measurement, which we intend to re- return to hundreds of times in the next 20 years, probably. Well, maybe not hundreds. We try to make it as simple as possible. There are certainly things we do at work. If you're building silica, silicon substrata for integrated chips or application-specific integrated chips, something like that, well, that's a pretty complex thing where quality matters. Okay, Human interaction, the ability to, to measure it precisely, it's like Heisenberg's uncertainty principle, you can't do it. Or if you measure it right now, you're going to mess it up later is really what Heisenberg said, I think. So don't make it complicated. Folks, you can take one yellow sticky note and stick it right to your desk, okay? At the end of one-on-one that was scheduled, even if it was scheduled for Monday and you had it on Tuesday, if it was scheduled and you had it that week, put a tick mark on that yellow sticky. You could even put 03 at the top of that yellow sticky if you want. At the end of the week, the number of tick marks you see is the number of one-on-ones you had. I mean, I hate to be complex. I hate to use the latest cutting-edge technology, But it doesn't have to be a spreadsheet. It doesn't have to be uploadable. It doesn't have to have third-party validation that somebody else, you know, you get to report in about whether or not you did your one-on-one or not. All you need to do is count and write it down. This is the earliest and simplest form of measuring. Sure, if you want to use technology and put it in something fancy so that 80 weeks from now you can you can chart it, okay, that's fine. But don't tell me you haven't come up with the spreadsheet yet, and so therefore you can't start doing one-on-ones because your measuring system isn't in place yet. That's just dumb. And the number of people who say, I don't, I don't know how I'm getting by. I can't even keep up with email. I don't know what I'd do without email. And there are a large number of us who had professional careers before email. It's like, well, we did fine. And things like the car and the space shuttle and all kinds of other things were invented long before email. So you don't need to do all that. And of course, the great things about using the yellow sticky note is when the power goes out, you can still measure. So write it down. If you want to do something fancier, great. But if making it fancy takes any time at all, you're wasting that time that you could be spending delivering value in somewhere else or in having a one-on-one. In the beginning, all that matters is quantity, which is to say simply counting them. 
any thought you might have to keep track of early quality, again, is essentially made moot by the learning you're going to be going through. So don't bother tracking anything more than did I or did I not do the thing I said I was going to do. Simple as that. So we're going to count. And we yeah. know what we're going to count. So what's the goal? 10%, 20%, what's the goal? I think for, for some of us in the world, the goal is just to be able to count to 10. That, you know, <laughs> that one, would be my goal. What is, what is the line from Monty Parthon? Not five, not three. One, two, four. Three, sir. So, yeah, if you schedule and conduct a one-on-one, it counts. The goal is 80% per week. And to be able to track success over time, we recommend you create a percentage completion number just because if you say I did five, some people may not know whether that's a lot of your directs. Five may sound good, but it's devoid of context if I don't know whether you have five directs or whether you have 20. The idea, of course, is we're going to highly recommend part of the quality standard is all of your directs get one-on-ones, right? And since everybody's going to benefit from them, at some point you're going to want to compare your success with others. It's more helpful to calculate percentages rather than gross completions. So if you have 10 directs and you schedule five one-on-ones and you have them all, you're at 50%. And by the way, if next week you decide, oh, that was good. I, I did all five that I had scheduled. So next week I'm going to do all 10 but I'm only going to keep these five scheduled because my schedule is just too busy. At the end of next week, if you do 10 one-on-ones, five of which were scheduled, you're still going to be at 50% quantity measurement. I thought the the rule was counting the number of one-on-ones that I actually conduct within that week of right. the ones that I scheduled. So I, in this case, I scheduled five. I had five. Why am I only at 50%? Aren't I at 100%? Well, no. <laughs> You are if you measure it just as weekly in schedule, but it's also it's weekly in schedule with all or each of your directs. A one-on-one is a specific thing. It's with every single direct. Yeah. So, you, so you mean okay? So if I have like ten directs and I have that and I have two people I don't really like, which <laughs> <laughs> not having one-on-ones of those two is actually going to hurt me. I can't schedule eight out of the ten. Do my eight and be at one hundred percent. Yeah, my, okay. um, the, that, the shorthand, I'm disappointed. The, the managerial shorthand to that is if you leave two people out that you don't like, you're going to like them even less in a couple of months when they start sabotaging. Oh, it's not even possible these days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so look, it's great. If you have five out of ten scheduled, it's great that you complied with your calendar and got all five done. But don't get too clever on the system. If, if you want to show an increasing number of one-on-ones as you add more to your schedule, that's great, five, six, seven, whatever. But, but the increase that you're showing is misleading without knowing that denominator, how many people are actually working for you. So as it grows, if you start out scheduling 10, even if you only have five and you're 50%, great. Next week, maybe you get 60 or 70 or 80. Nothing wrong with that. Your goal in the first month or two or even three months you're doing one-on-ones is to achieve 80% one-on-ones per week. Again, scheduled, completed, and with each direct. So if you only have five directs, you only can miss one each week. And when you're starting out, you're going to be putting in an investment. You're going to be like investing in the future, but you're not going to get any return that first week. There's going to be discomfort that anytime you change managerial behaviors, your directs are going to be uncomfortable. And so in the beginning, some managers get pretty quick responses, but generally they're the more, the high I's and the high S's. The high D's and high C's are like, gee, I really have to take time to do this. It takes a few weeks for you to start feeling like your your, your efforts, your investment is, is getting a return. So 
if you have five directs, you can only miss one each week to get it to, to achieve the 80% goal. If you do achieve 80% the first week, celebrate. We'd suspect that if you only have 10 directs, you're going to be surprised that you got through 80 to 90 to 100% of them if, in fact, you scheduled them uh, weekly. Whereas a few weeks ago, you were certain you didn't have time for even one. So that's a good thing. You're, you're changing your behavior for what you believe is a good reason in order to develop relationships, which delivers results and retention. Right. Now, you said earlier that, okay, once we get this done, then we're going to graduate to uh, 80% monthly. And I don't get it. If I do 80% a week, week after week after week, then I'm going to be at 80% for the month. So Yeah, well, sure, you are if you if you achieve 80%, but but you're not. I mean, what, what we know from watching thousands of managers do one-on-ones is they say, I'm going to do all of them. And some managers don't. A percentage don't. And we want steady improvement. And so we don't want to be happy with an average of, say, 70% over four weeks, simply because we had one week where we met that 80% goal. The idea here is to get to 100%. And, uh, you know, we've told the short story of Shamu before, jumping out of the water. And, you know, they start with the bar that Shamu's supposed to go over in the water. And they reward Shamu for being in the water. Yeah, not just in the water, on the bottom of the pool. Yeah, on the bottom of the tank. And they then that's how they reward Shamu. And then and then as Shamu figures it out, Shamu's willing to jump out of the uh, out of the water and over the bar in order to get fish to get rewarded. So once you reach eighty percent in a week, what we're gonna ask you to do is try to keep that high a level going for the next four weeks and extend that eighty percent average over a whole month or a four week period. And I promise you, if you do fifty, sixty, seventy, and then eighty one week, you're probably gonna have a week where you fall back down a little bit. If your high week is eighty percent, you won't achieve eighty percent in a month. Right. Good point. The first week you hit eighty, you're not gonna get the next four weeks at eighty. Most managers can't do that. And that's okay because process change particularly one that affects one's calendar as a manager, particularly a newer manager, it's, it takes time. It's hard. Um, we're all, quote, busy, unquote. So if you achieve 80% average scheduled, completed one-on-ones over three months, in three months, you're doing exceptionally well. It's really hard to change our behavioral patterns, and that's why we're still doing this six years later. There you go. Well, that's it, right? Yeah, that's it. Look, I apologize, folks. I took longer talking about measurement. It's something I feel very strongly about, even as a high eye. Uh, measurement makes things a lot easier. It reduces a lot of uncertainty between people if you agree on measures in advance. And the first measure when we're talking about human behavior is quantity, not quality. Allow the learning curve to work. Worry about quality later. Let's get started. Uh, and of course, remember, one-on-ones are specific things. They're completed, they're scheduled, and they're weekly with everybody. And the two things we recommend is set a goal of 80% weekly and then graduate to 80% monthly. And hopefully at the end of six months or, or, or longer, you're at 100%. Managing others is a hugely important task for the organization. One of the dangerous systemic outcomes of the, the organizational world treating managing others as a personality-driven endeavor is the lack of willingness to measure it. Well, Mark's different than Mike, so therefore we can't come up with a measure that will work for both. But look, we measure cost controls and we do it differently at different companies. We measure vacation days and we certainly do that differently in different companies. And we measure process compliance and production and shipping and engineering. And look, we even measure hours of use of seat licenses for expensive software that large organizations buy. The, the practice of management, of, of developing relationships to get better results and retention deserves the same scrutiny. 
So start now on your journey to, be- journey to become an effective professional manager, and that means measuring. Excellent. Thanks, my friend. My pleasure, partner. We'll see you. Thanks, everyone. That's it. Now start your one-on-ones and get measuring. <laughs> you have no excuse now. See you later. Bye. Bye.